rising up back on the street. Did my time, took my chances. Oh, get out of here. Yeah, okay. Welcome to Dragon's Cast, a podcast brought to you by Dak Bacalums, who all would like to wish you a safe and happy holiday season as you celebrate Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, and the New Year. But you're here for Drexel Basketball. Before we get to it, though, there's a couple of uh, administrative things I wanted to cover. First, if you haven't joined the Slack channel yet, a permanent invite to it will be available once this episode's posted on dragonscast.com. So come join us and get in on the chatter during the games. Also, Rob has kicked that blue and gold club newsletter up again, so if you're not signed up for it, the link for it will be with this episode's show notes. The first one's out already, and it does a great job highlighting upcoming events and aggregating content around Drexel basketball. And talking about aggregating, the magnificent basketball blog, started by Joe Simonera, will be partnering up with us and publishing his blog on dragonscast.com going forward. We hope to get everything up and running by CAA play. And the next podcast won't be dropping till 2018. So see you then. And without further ado. Right. All right. Let's just say go and we'll get started. Go. All right. So um, what did you thought? Thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so we're, we're just out of that game. So yeah. we might as well talk so about that. So we're sitting here after the game against Quinnipiac, the powerhouse, Quinnipiac, yeah. considering they took us to the wire over there and almost with uh, about 2.4 seconds left, they were able to draw up a play. That uh, got them the last shot, and we were lucky that that, that I didn't go. And it was a good look, but when he released it from right in front of me, I thought he had the, he definitely had the uh, angle right. I, it just ended up coming out and breaking off because it was a little short. So, I think it only makes sense that we talk about the Kunipia game first. So, Bill, what did you, what did you think this game was going to come down to the last shot? I mean, I didn't think it was going to come down to the last shot, but we've been playing down to competition since we've been here, so. Since the beginning of this year, so I wasn't surprised it was as close as it was. Um, I was hoping that we'd pull away at some point instead of, you know, turning the ball over and giving the lead up with 13 or with how much time was up, 20 seconds or something along those lines, and then having to have Kirk Lee loft up a three to <laughs> to win to win the game. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, it looked like we were pulling game. away at one point. We were up four, and then they hit like that four-point play or something. You got two mm-hmm. and one old-fashioned three-point plays. Oh, he got that four-point play off of the foul there at the perimeter. Oh, yeah, yeah, that three-pointer. Mohica was getting posted up by his guy. Like that was clearly their game plan. Was the post Mohica? He had a good game. The guy Young, Young I think yeah, uh, yeah. his name was. He was having a great game. He knew exactly what to do to get Mohica off his feet. The little head fake was working every time. Mohica would jump up and he'd get a foul call. And sometimes that shot would go in and he'd get a three-point play. And sometimes he'd just get to go to the line. So it was a win-win situation. The only time that didn't work is when somebody came out to help him. Like Tremaine had that one steal when he came out and helped him. Um, and if the big kind of jumped out a little bit, it helped. But uh, to me, what was most surprising in this game was I get, uh, Kirk, well, Kirk was able to recover with that three-point shot at the end. But his shooting, a rough game, though. his shooting outside the three-point, within the three-point line, was awful. His playing within the three-point line. He, he shot what? What did you say, Bill? Like he one for eight or something? One for eight. But then he was four for seven from three. Four for seven from three, which is just surprising me, but also kind of a testament to what Kirk's been doing. <laughs> Last year, Kirk was able to get away. Kirk was able to get away a lot with uh, get crashing, getting inside with, like, Big man in there and somehow getting a shot off this year. I haven't seen too much of that being successful. What do you think of his touches, though? I, I think that that was, that was someplace where he was kind of behind the eight ball tonight. He was not getting a lot of quality touches. 
Isabel was handling the ball a lot. And actually, Dan Crane and I, one thing that we were talking about before I came over here was uh, who do you want who, – whose hands do you want the ball to be in on that last inbounds where they made, where Quinnipiac makes that steal? Do you want Isabel bringing that ball up the court with Lee on the floor or do you want Lee you know, doing with the ball in Lee's hands? Is that, yeah. is, that, is that a 50-50 coin toss for people? Is, you know, is, or, or... I think bringing the ball up, I'd probably say Kirk. Uh, but the last shot, I was almost hoping that it would go to Tremaine. The last shot, yeah. The press and the steal mm-hmm. that where, where Quinnipiac you know, put themselves ahead. Yeah. You know, yeah, you know what I would say to that? I would say they have to work together. Mm-hmm. So I think the problem with that turnover was it's like one person taking on the whole team. So, you know, it was Tremaine could have been there with Kirk and three. He, got, he tried to dribble through three guys. He turned it over. And yeah, that's his little, his little behind the back. And there was a guy just waiting there for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, so, like, and if that's Kirk, something. If Kirk, I don't know where Kirk was on that play, but Tremaine gets the ball and passes it to Kirk, who's got to be wide open. I don't know where he was. But so the answer to your question, I think you have to. But even for that second basketball. inbound, Kirk wasn't there. It was still Tremaine by the baseline trying to get the inbound. Kirk, comes, Kirk came back, came yeah, back. He came mm-hmm. back. So he was up for, up there for the first time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. where he was. Yeah. And I don't know why that was the design. Maybe he cleared the floor too quick and they thought it was going to be a man press and a foul. Because it looked like he was trying to get it back to Demir on the rotation or mm-hmm. to rotate it back over the left side of the court. It just didn't work. And I, I, I think you're you're spot on with the, with the teamwork aspect of it. And that's, that's something that I was hoping – at least me personally, I would I would see better of would be the two of them working better together on the floor than how they perform separately. Well, especially in that situation, you have two point guards. There's no reason you shouldn't be able to get the ball. Right. I mean, yeah. Playing together. This is the only time that's a good thing. Right. Yeah. But, but generally, I mean, generally though, somebody has to take the two, and they they almost they, yeah. they, they, they there seems to be a little push and pull there. I mean, absolutely. You look at look at how Kirk Lee played against LaSalle. Yeah. He looked like the guy that we had last year. I he think, just could not do no wrong. I think mm-hmm. we talked about this a little on the last podcast, too. It's like you have two point guards, and neither one of them knows how to run the two. And it's like if you watch Tremaine when he's out there, he's just standing, mm-hmm. waiting to get the ball most of the time. It's mm-hmm. not like he's running around trying to get himself open for an open look, and Kirk is kind of the same way. Like they both make plays with the ball in their hands. So and, it makes yeah, it I started watching that a lot more after what you said last time, Bill, of uh, just – how Damien used to have that skill where he'd kind of keep running around and try to squeeze himself between gaps and try to get open. And you're right, he doesn't do it. But it's not. All, it almost looks like we don't even necessarily have plays where there's like off the ball screens being set for him. So I don't. I I I completely agree that Tremaine's our Kirk for that matter does not don't know how to move without the ball. But I don't know how much of that also goes into the design of Spike Spiker's design where he's. Doesn't have those plays designed where we have off the ball screens being set up for just, a shooting guard. I just think that's like putting you know a square peg into a round hole. They don't yeah. know how to do it. They don't know yeah. how to fight yeah. around those screens and yeah. shoot off the when well, they don't have the ball in their hands. Like yeah. I don't think have you seen a shot where Tremaine Isabel catches the ball and like fires a jump shot without mm-hmm. taking a single yeah. dribble? It just doesn't happen unless he yells Kobe <laughs> and kicks that leg out. No, yeah. it doesn't happen. Like, <laughs> he needs to play with the ball. It's the same thing with Kirk. Mm-hmm. They're they're it'll be interesting to see if they can. Learn to play together a little bit, a little bit better, and be more effective. Yeah, it. Doles is the one that just takes the shot, takes the ball, and just fires it up. He's their, he's their spot up. Yeah. <laughs> well, another thing is not even just they don't move without the ball, but I think Kirk doesn't know what to do when he gets the ball because he's so he hasn't had it for so long and he's used to kind of having the ball. 
Uh, and I think that's affecting, I don't know, this is just speculation, but I think it might be affecting his his shot, his floater, his normal game, because last year he was used to having the ball every single possession. Mm-hmm. Now he's kind of going in different spurts with it, and it doesn't seem to be affecting Tremaine as much as it's affecting Kirk. No, I agree. It's definitely an adjustment period. Go Why are we agreeing so much? We need to like, find something to fight <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, I know. We... <laughs> All right, so I'm just I'm, I'm looking at the stat line here. Um, 26-22 points in the paint in favor of Quinnipiac, but we out-rebounded them 46-28. Wow. I mean, Tyshawn Miles, how about – he was yeah. – I mean – Outside of a cute couple terrible fucking ref calls, like he was oh, like, man. he played really well. Like, he blocked like a bunch of shots. He's getting a bunch of rebounds. He's been really active. Like I'd say early in the season, every time he came in, I was like, oh man, he's just not bringing anything. Like he's, he can't catch the ball. He's not rebounding particularly well. And then the last couple of games, he's brought a lot of energy. He's blocking shots. He's rebounding. He's uh, he's playing he's, defense. He's playing defense. Yeah, he's he's a he's a plus out there now. Where. I don't think he was earlier in the season. They, um, Spiker made a comment early in the season that uh, Tadis Karinas had passed him up on the depth chart. And I think, I, I, to be honest with you, I mean, from, from the LaSalle game forward, he's, he's played himself back into that, that first big man off the bench role. Yeah, definitely. No doubt about it. And I think a lot of that has to do with building just confidence a little bit. I, he, in this game, the first two passes that went to him, at least he caught it. It wasn't like he. It ended up being a turnover, and after that, he seemed to have the uh, the confidence that led to a couple of key blocks that he had. There was that one block, which was pretty much a block takeaway, which yeah, you know I haven't seen in a long time at the DAC. Mm-hmm. You know, Austin Williams only had two points, one shot. Yeah, two. We didn't more. give him the ball at all. Nope. Foul trouble. And that's and that's the other thing when you look at our points in the paint and the fact that we had seventeen off- offensive rebounds. And yeah. Austin but Williams had two points. Demir's been huge. Oh yeah, Demir's Demir's quietly. Yeah. I mean, he, I think quietly. he's. It's, it's starting not to be as quiet. Like he yeah. had a great game against Temple. When we get to that, but um, I love Alhan Demir. He I missed, think he's. Yeah, sorry, Nick. He, he missed a couple layups too. That like he yeah. had a really nice take on and just yeah. couldn't quite finish it. So I think it was just bad luck. It, could, it was bad luck, and I don't think he was expecting to be able to just go towards the basket that quickly when that 25 guy was on him. He was, he pretty much made two moves, and he was underneath the basket. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know why we didn't do more of that even after that, like continue to feed him. Mm-hmm. He seemed to always want to settle for a jump shot, uh, unless it's if it's Sammy driving inside. And, uh, and again, Sammy seems to be just a very streaky player. There's not much more to it. Yeah, uh, he took how many shots? Close to 20 shots 17 today? 17 shots. 17 shots. 13 or 14 were in the first half. Yeah, 13, yeah. 13 of them were in the first half, and he made four of them. No, four of 17, that is. A lot of more layups. I mean, yeah. he made a good move. He got yep. to the hoop. He got, he he, that's always been the case with Sammy. He always gets to the hoop pretty easily, but for some reason he's unable to finish from there. And I don't, I don't know well, how, a how couple he of us that. We're saying on the Slack channel, and Spiker said it in the Temple post game, like, you know, we got to get ready to shoot. We passed the ball out. Like, we overpassed mm-hmm. it. And I think Sammy really took that part because whenever he got an opportunity to shoot, he shot it. I mean, he was open. Yeah. He wasn't messing around at night with the shooter. <laughs> I think at one point, I think at halftime, I think I, t- I think the stat was, Leon, that he had he had taken more shots than – or he had taken one less shot than the entire starting lineup on our team. <laughs> I think you're right. So that was like a lot of – there's a lot of saving in the first half. 
But I mean, he was aggressive. I can't play. Yeah, him he's much. you know without uh, Harper back yet. You know, even though he was dressed today, he didn't he didn't play any, any minutes. So without Harper out there, I feel like you need somebody to be aggressive. And Tremaine usually fills that role when he has the ball in his hand. But Sammy's got those. He still gets those rebounds and. Actually, Tremaine's been a pretty good on the boards, too. How many mm. boards did Tremaine have today? He had to have a decent number. He cut. had seven. Yeah, He's been pretty good on the boards all year, <laughs> yeah. Tremaine. He's had a couple double-doubles. It's 16 in one game, I think. Guys, I, him and uh, Demir seem to be feeding off each other pretty well. They do, yeah. And I, I wonder how much of that has to do. Maybe they're in the same practice squad together and they play or something because it was, uh, there's, their passes between them seem to be a, little, or a lot more, a lot better coordinated, say, than some other passing yeah. you have to big men. Well, I think Demir is a good passer, too. He had a couple of nice passes to Austin in the Temple game. Yeah. So let me ask you guys, you know, based on this game, based on the Temple game and, and the leader, you know, out of conference, this, this might be jumping ahead a little bit, but who is your starting five against Elon? Who, you know, who starts? You've got Harper back healthy at that point. You've got Isabel playing the way he is. Mm-hmm. You've got Lee, who's, you know, the, the floor general of this team. And then you've yeah. got... Demir, Doles, and Williams. I, I think mean, you start Demir and Williams uh, on the four and five, and then for the guards, I think you bring. Uh, I think you bring Isabel still off the bench. That's not a bad idea. The bench. I mean, it's interesting to like have the two point guard dynamic again. Like getting those guys switched up is kind of an interesting move. I don't know if it's the right one, but it's. Uh, you bring them in quick. I mean, that's what we did with like Chris Fouch in the the past. Was yeah. Like, you have him come off the bench, and he's like a fire, like a fire starter off the bench, and uh, maybe that's a move you make. Yeah, the other team gets settled a little bit to the the players on the court, and then all of a sudden you bring a person that's probably quicker than everybody else on the so court. Who do you bring him in for? Whoever needs a break. At yeah, that point. it could be the Kirk or Sammy or some of them. I would keep the same starting lineup and bring William and bring uh, Harper off the bench. Yeah, just a. I mean, it's what happens. That's probably what will happen right off the bat because I've been working Harper back in the lineup, too. Mm-hmm. I like his energy, though. I mean, I am I'm, I'm re- I was really excited when I walked in tonight and saw him warming up to know that he's that close to being back. I mean, that, Yeah, I was a surprise. That was, that was a positive that. thing. That was that was a huge, huge positive for this team. If we could get him and Overton back during this conference play, I think we'll be in much better shape. Just mm-hmm. having a couple rotation of guys to put in for these guards would be nice. Like, Doles just isn't ready to play the three. He's not. Oh no, he's not quick enough. He's a stretch four. I yeah, mean. he's not quick enough, and and even like Sam Green would have been okay there in that three. Even he's out. I don't know how when he's going to be back either. But if we get some of these guys back, I think we'll be all right, especially with the way Demir's playing. Yeah, he's he's been the most impressive one. I mean, he was impressive in the Temple game, and he he had a very quiet fourteen points. And I think it was you guys who who actually said a couple podcasts ago that. You know, he's, he's not the kind of guy that's going to blow you out of the water every night, and, but he's the guy that if you ignore him, he's going to really, really take advantage of you. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think that, that is, that's what this team has been lacking, and that's, that's him. I mean, and that's terrific. And I, I guess Austin going from what the game he had in Temple to this, is that all just because of the foul trouble he got into? I think a lot of it was. He was barely – I mean, it's hard to get in a rhythm when you're in foul trouble. Yeah. And, but even just, but even in the first half, he didn't have a or I'm sorry, okay, he had I'm sorry, he had two personal fouls in the first half. He picked it up. He picked it up quickly too, because yeah. I remember one of the and he also had a like a very early turnover and uh, right in front of us, and I it just seemed that he could never get not just his rhythm but any confidence going. And he had that one good play to to the basket, and they got called for an offensive, and it wasn't mm-hmm. really that was a, that was a bad mm-hmm. call. There were a few. Uh, he of couldn't those get time. anything going, but it's it's it. Austin seems to have a great game, 
or pretty much be missing from the stat sheet altogether this year. I, I thought he played pretty good defense today. I mean, he got a lot of blocks. He does what he does. He, he blocks not his own band, but other people. <laughs> yeah. So for some reason, they don't have a lot of trouble scoring over top of him, but when he's coming off and helping out, he's blocking shots left and right. Absolutely. So I guess now's as good as time as any to probably jump to the Temple game. So we almost beat Temple. I only got to ca- I got to catch the last five minutes of the game. So uh, I got to see us take the lead and then quickly lose it, uh, which was disappointing. But it seemed like the first half wasn't as hopeful. We were down nine at the end of it. Uh, what did we? What did you guys think we did in the second half better to actually, I guess, get back in the game and take that lead? Well, I mean, I think. Um... The whole game, we played pretty well defense. We played pretty good defense the whole game. Uh, we started to hit some shots in the second half. Um, you know, I, I think actually, I'm you know I'm pulling up the stats now, but from my recollection, Isabel and Lee, neither of them had good games. Mm-mm. So I think like, and we actually if and, and they were starting to force things in the first half too, and and Temple made a concerted effort to shut down Isabel and Lee. Like they could come quick with double teams. Like they just cut off his driving ability. But what happened was Demir and Austin were wide open like the whole game, and they we started feeding them, but we weren't feeding them enough. And I think in the second half, Kirk and Isabel didn't press as much, and you know we started to make some good plays happen. We kept the defense up the whole way. We just weren't we're one, one or two plays away in that game for finishing out. And, and Austin missed a bunch of free throws. If would have hit those, it would have been a different game completely. But I thought we played well overall. Yeah, Isabel was 2 of 12 and only had 6 points. There's not going to be a lot of games where he does that. I mean, and if, we're still if, in, And we're still in the game. Like, I, yeah, I'm, against I'm, I'm amazed yeah. that we were playing that well against Temple with those two guys not doing anything, really. And the thing to take note of in that first half, too, is we were down 6, and um, uh, Rose, um, I forget his, I'm, I'm blanking on his first name. Quentin, Quentin Rose, thank you. Quinn Rose, Temple's leading scorer, made his first bucket of the game on an off-balance three-pointer to close out that first half. That and that's shot. what put him on by nine. Yeah. But that was, his, that was his first point of the game. And yeah. that was Mojica. I mean, you know, and, and I asked Spiker about that in the postgame. And he, he downplayed it and pointed out the team defense. And he was absolutely right. There was some good team defense. There was some terrific team defense out there. But Mojica just did a fantastic job on Rose. And he had finished with five points. Mojica and Isabel both had beautiful charge draws on them that, that, that got two fouls on Rose. And, I mean, defensively, that was our best defensive. Oh, I remember that charge draw. That yeah. was really huge. Oh, yeah. Mojica played great that game. He really I mean, he only scored 11 points, but he, like you said, his defense was great. I gave, was our, I gave him player of the game for that one because of his defensive play. I mean, that, it went that was our best defensive game in the Spiker era. I can remember. I would he agree with that. played really well. Against a quality That's opponent like that? Absolutely. Second half, though, um, I mean, you know, it took us 18 minutes to make a three-pointer. Second half, Mojica started getting hot. Um, you know, we stayed out of foul trouble. The refs weren't calling anything. There were 25 fouls called in that game. 25 That's fouls. That's crazy. I like Nothing. That. I'd, rather, yeah. <laughs> I'd rather that than what happened today, for sure. And if, and if, you, and if you missed uh, Austin Williams' tomahawk dunk in the lane, you, you need to check it out on the highlight. feed from Demir, too. Oh, it was a beautiful feed <laughs> Did you see that one? No, that I was towards the later to... half of the game. Really? Yeah. Williams, Williams kind of trailed off like he was going to go out for an outlet pass from Demir, who was on the post, and he just curled around his man, and and Demir just fed him into the lane, and, and oh, just really, just nice little, again, Demir, just nice little quiet feed, and Austin just 
full-on tomahawk dunk. It was absolutely beautiful. I think one thing that's clear about Demir is that he's definitely got a lot better court vision than uh, Stretch does. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, he's able to, even if he doesn't have the best position or best, uh, I guess, ability to get a shot up, he's able to get it out to somebody to not make that possession, you know, be uh, to end up in the turnover. So. Dunphy had a lot to, in, in his postgame, uh, had, a, had a lot to say about um, Austin Williams and, and his ability. Um, you know, he, he, had a, he had a lot of respect for him. And um, he also said, like, you know, I, I think you nailed it. He, he said that their, their whole plan was just to deny, deny, deny when it came to the guards. They just, they just wanted to go out there and, and, just, and just, you know, mess up their game. And, and he said Williams just beat them inside for the first half. Yeah, they were well scouted on that. I mean, anytime like Isabel tried to do his little spin, or mm-hmm. yeah, Kirk Lee tried to drive, there was a second guy there just ready to cut it off. They yes, just weren't yeah. allowing it. At in, all. in the first half, they were forcing it. Like they were like, mm-hmm. "Why, you know, we're used to doing this. Why can't we do it?" And we got the ball to Demir and Austin a little bit, and they were successful. And I think in the second half, we stopped forcing it, and we just let whoever was open take the shot, and we started to get some shots. Just you know, we were just one play away. Mm-hmm. And when Mohica hit that three, I was, I thought we, had, I thought we were going to snake it. But it was. I'll tell you what, it was close. And there were there were a lot of surprised people in that building. There were a lot of surprised people in that building. Because Temple is good this year, right? They're supposed to. They're supposed to be decent. good. They lost yeah. to LaSalle, and like this. That's crazy. And that was one of the things that um, one of their players said in in the post game interview was that you know a, a loss in that game for Temple. And you're if if they don't win their conference tournament, I mean they're looking at missing a bye if with with, with a loss with a loss to Drexel in that game. Yeah, and, and I or, guess you know, that, or missing a bid rather. Yeah, and I guess some of the stuff that came out after the game, it seemed uh, I, I know there was some chatter in the Slack channel about uh, Joe's article on, on magnificent basketball mm-hmm. uh, regarding you know how every, it seems that every time you play one of the big five teams. It's almost like we're uh, – we haven't win. earned it. Yeah, yeah, they stole the win, yeah. claws – almost claws the win mm-hmm. or claws back into a game. It's all, all, all this kind of rhetoric that's around. You know, they had no business being there in the first place. Yeah. Which is comical to me, especially with a school like LaSalle who has, that hasn't, had the, hasn't had the best program in a bit. Uh, but uh, when we play Temple, you would think like a – Decent, a decent performance like that would get some notices, especially on a team that isn't healthy fully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I said, I, I, my earlier comment, I said almost snake the win, but you know, I, I think the one comment was we almost stole another one from a Philly, and like we didn't steal the LaSalle win. That was a wire to wire victory. So I don't, I mean, in the context of the game, I mean, that's just lazy reporting right there. I mean, I, don't know, I just think Roe seen as the lesser of the Philly schools, and then anytime we win, it's like. Some kind of upset as far as regular media goes. I mean, we got Dan Crane live in the house. Hey, Dan. How's it uh, going? So, we're here at the DAC recording in the halftime alumni room, and Dan just rolled in fresh from the Spiker press conference on the Quinnipiac game. Dan, any thoughts on what, what did Spiker say about today? Breaking news of the three injuries. And this is true. This is completely true per Coach Spiker. They're all recovering at the exact same rate. <laughs> <laughs> Not one player is any closer than the other. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So they said, they That's called say, not wanting to say anything. It's called not wanting to say anything. <laughs> the one thing he did say, let on to a little bit, um, uh, is that Troy Harper was dressed tonight for one special case. He's not close to returning, but he was dressed in the event that we were to get fouled late. 
he'd be the guy we want out there to get fouled. Okay. So he's not okay. ready to run, but he's a 92% free throw shooter. So. And they were looking to potentially Smart. use him in that spot. Oh, he's a 92% free throw shooter. Yes, he is. It's a phenomenal free throw shooter. Man. So that was uh, that was the one nugget from that press. Most of the press conference was actually Baker Dunleavy talking because everyone wanted to hear what, what Jay Wright was up to. Uh, <laughs> that guy seems like a total douche. Baker Dunleavy. <laughs> he has a, like a douchey name, Baker Dunleavy. You know, like. <laughs> I think we can all agree that he's probably not, not the most accomplished Dunleavy. I mean, he was a little of a student. So are they all like scheduled to be back by CAA play, or um, no? He wouldn't. He really wasn't giving up anything. I think. I mean, you got to think Harper if they're willing to let him on the floor is a little closer. Um, we'll see. He just didn't want to give it up tonight. Um, and he wa- he's always tight-lipped about that. He never comments. You don't want to jinx it in case they're actually making a recovery a little bit sooner than expected. I've been consistently CA season new year for both those – for the two main guys. I really actually haven't checked in a whole lot on Sam Green. Yeah. Um, Sam Green's walking under his own power, and that's that's a start. That is a start. Uh, yeah, but it's uh, – I mean, we, we when I was out with him at, uh, at Robert Morris, we were talking about playing to – you know the team you're playing against. I actually think they're playing beyond it, right? They're they're uh, they're playing better than we expect this team to ever play against some of the higher end schools, the Houston's, the Temples. They're playing at their level. Like they're playing at a top fifty team level in those games, and I don't think we, anybody expects a seven man Drexel team to play at that level. That's over their heads. Um, they're not playing to the level of opponent, their opponents. They're actually playing above it, uh, and it's, the reverse is true. Yeah. Right. I mean, this you have home games. This. Uh, this was a better game than Lafayette, but it's probably only because they didn't play as much zone. Yeah. Um, this team actually shot better from three than from two in the second half tonight, which is well. That just uh, and they only shot forty percent. That was epitomized by Kirk Lee's last play, where he missed the uh, pull up two, but then he drills the three. How many pull up twos do you see this? It might be a record under Spiker. The mid range twos that we saw tonight. Yeah, it was a lot. Uh, he doesn't like that shot. I, I, he's gonna this, this game. This one's for you, Brew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> the, the mid-range the, there's nothing to be said about that because. Uh, this year, so far at least, you're right. We seem to be playing at the level of the team we play against. Maybe a little bit above, like you said, but it seems that for a team like Quinnipiac or a team like Lafayette, we play horrible. And then when you go play against a team like Houston or LaSalle or Temple, we're, we're, we're in it and we're winning some of those games. So the, the thing about the Lafayette game is Lafayette figured us out. And that's what yeah. scares me. Lafayette figured out that if you make this Drexel team shoot out of the zone, if we catch them on the right night, they're not going to be able to do that. And mm-hmm. that's what happened in the Lafayette game. Yeah. Right? The Lafayette game, they, they parked themselves in a 2-3 zone. It was the same thing as we saw with Temple with the guards probing and trying to find a lane, not being able to find a lane because you have this collapsing 2-3 zone, mm-hmm. and then they're not making their perimeter shots. That's going to be true. I mean, anytime you're not shooting the ball well from three and they throw a zone against you, you're gonna have, it's going to be a problem. I don't care who your coach is. Mm-hmm. It's going yeah. to be your problem. If you don't shoot the three well against the zone, it's going to be trouble. But we didn't tonight, have an answer problem, for it either, though. Tonight, my problem was that they played man for 90% of the game. I think they, they like we did, they played a zone for a couple minutes. Um, and we never got the ball inside. That's actually the one thing I talked to him about in the presser was Austin Williams, 19 minutes, one shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just we just yeah. mentioned that. Yeah, yeah that's it's, crazy. That's unacceptable. Is what it is. We did have a lot of layups that were missed, but it wasn't like they weren't the close. Bigs. They weren't close layups. Demir had a couple guys. layups that were he missed. He talks a lot about Zach talks a lot well, about a the right guys taking the right shots. Yeah, you want to put the right person at the foul line. Mm-hmm. You know, the right guys taking the three. You want to, the wrong guys were taking the shots tonight, and they were probably taking the, even the shot selection at, as base was poor. But then you had the wrong guys going into the lane getting in the paint. 
that's an undersized team we're playing against up there, and they couldn't finish. They dominated on the boards and did nothing in the paint. You know, it's they got actually got outscored in the paint. Mm-hmm. Seemed very negative, Dan. After, after you eke out a win at home against Quinnipiac, it yeah, I'm a little. It didn't even look like we were going to eke out a win I mean, over there for a in second. In fairness, I missed the Temple the game. The Temple. Oh. So my last two games are Robert Morris and this one. So I'm coming yeah. in a little rough, but yeah, I, listen, the program for where it is, the game again, the teams that we played well against this year are way above expectations. So yeah. it's it, it is it's a night and day thing a little bit. You can make an argument about a two day turnaround off of a big effort against mm-hmm. Temple. Um, that's a tough spot for, for us to we play. We played this game great against, against Temple. That was the best loss I've ever seen. So yeah, we, I mean, we got rebounded them by ten, which is crazy because they had big guards. Uh, we got round, I mean, we got rebounded Quinnipiac here, um, but actually, like almost twenty rebounds. I actually thought yeah. that was going to be a huge problem for us early on. It seemed like we couldn't, like we we're giving up a ton of offensive rebounds early in the year, not not in this season, but like, like we can't rebound, we can't defend. I'm like, this is going to be, it's going to be a long, be yeah. difficult season. Scott came up to me after this game, so the best, quietest line he's ever seen was Ali Hans tonight. Yeah, he had eight mm-hmm. boards. Yeah, know, we talked about that. Points. I mean, it, strange you didn't see it coming, but it was, yeah, he, he had a really nice, he's been a nice addition. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. And that's the thing, like, he just sneaks in there. He sneaks in there, he gets you a dozen points, he gets you, he gets you a good handful of rebounds. Well, you have Flash with, with Isabel and Lee, you kind of need some steady hands, and you expect you to go to Sam Mee, and you expect to go now to, 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 to Alahan. And, he's a good complimentary player, isn't yeah. he? He's got range, too. Yeah, I, I thought we ins- I, when he yeah. when he first hit the court, I was like, we instantly got better. That's Amir. that's the big thing right there. He's a sophomore. Yeah, we got no, we I got three that. we got three I years know. for him. Yeah, three yeah, years for him to develop with Kirk. Lee. He's already developed. Yeah, he's yeah. good already. Yeah. Oh, he's good, but imagine yeah. where he's going to be. And he's another the type year of player before. that we haven't had a direct. I mean, I, I think I'll go Randy Ovenanke was the last yeah, guy we were. Gonna try to say it was kind of a similar skill set or supposed to be. He's supposed to be. He's certainly better. He's much better shooter. Um, And Bruiser had no idea how to use that. No, he didn't. With a four who could shoot, and that's Spiker wanted to play his system. Did you see during the timeout that uh, Demir like flicked the ball up with his foot? No, I think he's a soccer player. (laughs) European, right? You know, I I I heard you say I heard you say that comment. Then I saw on the other side one of the Quinnipiac players do it, and you didn't say anything. So (laughs) I don't look at the Quinnipiac players. How about that point guard that looked like the Seth Rogen's younger brother that just took <laughs> he, he was killing us in the first half, Kelly. Yeah. yeah. He was uh, he was killing us when we were playing zone. His little uh, his little Kirk Lee floaters from the in the lane there yeah. were, were actually falling. He's having a rough bus ride home, I'll tell you. And he had the last shot over there. Tell yeah. you what, that was a great play that they called. Yeah, yeah. Was. We were talking about the screener on the on the on the guard. Yep. And and the, the, yeah, the screen on Miles to open that to open up the pass up the court. Beautiful. And then the screen down court was it was it was a beautiful inbound play. I saw that pass coming like right at me. You know, and he was wide open. There's nothing I could do. I thought it was like it looked like one of those like yeah. heartbreaking. It was ones. right in front of us. You know, he he had the angle, which was just a bit short. Tremaine turned the ball over tonight, obviously in the clutch, clutch <laughs> possession there. He had six tonight, although a couple of them were offensive foul type where they weren't. <laughs> Tough calls. Um, I still don't have a huge objection to him bringing the ball up there versus Lee. But traditionally, Lee's your point guard. I was a little bit surprised not to see, him, not see the ball in his hands. Uh, I, what are your guys' thoughts on do you care which one takes? I mean, at this point, they're becoming interchangeable. Tremaine has the ball in his hands a lot. Um, obviously, whenever Lee's off the court, he's the point guard. I brought that up too. Yeah, when we, we, when just, we, we talked about, about it. Yeah. yeah, but that being said, I think uh, it's uh, worth revisiting that. We, I think we all think Kirk <laughs> should be bringing it up. 
And he brings the ball up all game. I'd imagine yeah. going forward he will be. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we, we've, yeah. But it's, yeah, I, I didn't mind it. Uh, They're both spot. point guards. I mean, you got to trust the, both their hands. I mean, he just tried to do a little bit too much when he should have. Should have tried to get to somebody else, but I didn't see anyone else around him either. I don't know where everyone else was to come over. And like, it seemed almost help. like we kind of just had him back. Everybody else was on the front. Like, yeah, Demir was under the basket. Demir yeah. was back with him. Yeah. Oh, they turned off all the lights. All right, I think go. it's time yeah. for us to go. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Wrapping it up. Like, Thanks, man. Appreciate Thank it. You. So Loyola, Maryland, huh? What happened in this game? It looked like Kirk Lee. Uh, it, it was definitely Kirk Lee's hometown, I guess, game. It was back in Baltimore. So I think he wanted to have a great game. It sounded like there was a lot of Kirkley fans and I guess uh, courtside, at least from what some of the uh, – I think Dan was there and Joe was there. So it seemed like there was some Kirkley fans. But it didn't seem like at least early on Kirkley could get, get anything going. He had some early misses. He did have some late-game heroics, but that weren't enough to really recover. But what did you guys think, uh, other than Tremaine being out right off the bat, went wrong in this game? Well, I mean, that's problem number one. We only have two guards. <laughs> I mean, we had a we had to play a walk on at certain points in this game. I mean, that's not a he didn't play much, but he still didn't. It's not a good sign for how this game was going to go. Kirk Lee was definitely off for like the first twelve minutes of the game, and then the last eight, he kind of uh, showed what he's capable of and was kept us in the game there and almost won it for us. But I, besides Kirk, I don't think anyone really played too well outside of Mojica. Um, both Demir and Austin Williams were missing all types of layups and inside shots that they normally would hit. Yeah, we we missed 25 layups in this game, Bill. 25 layups. I didn't think that was even possible. It's insane. I I can't believe it even has to go with set has to be said that you have to make those. Like whatever it takes if you have to slam them home. I mean, obviously that's easier said than done, but some of these like were just rolling around like the edge of the rim and then out. Maybe it's just bad luck. The basketball gods weren't with us that day, but dear Lord, I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. Both are big men. Austin and Demir were four for 14. There's no reason you big men, but should be shooting that low percentage. Mm-hmm. They did shoot the lights out too, to a certain extent, Loyola, uh, you know, I did, from three-point line, they were 50%. From the uh, field goal, they were 48%, which is pretty good. I think it's better than they've had uh, so far in any game this season. Because, and that ended up for, uh, you know, their first Division one win against us, of course. We get to be the lucky mopes to give them their first win. I, mean, I think part of that three-point percentage is playing zone and then just our guards not being able to play as hard defense as they would like to, probably because we only have two guys. I mean, it's just... It's difficult to play with only two guards for an entire game, no matter how good they play. And like they struggled early, or Kirk struggled early on. So it just, I don't know. This was a this was going to be a tough one to win, no matter who we played. Tyshawn Miles looked like uh, he didn't he have an end to end play in this game. It came out of nowhere, but yeah, I feel like he had a uh, there was either a rebound or something that came out far, and he went all the way to the other side and scored. I, I have never seen that out of Tyshawn before. He's trying. He's definitely trying to contribute more, uh, especially when he's being forced to play as many minutes as he has. I mean, he did get out on the break on that, Leon. I, I was expecting him to completely brick it, but he he did manage to score on that fast break. He did miss a dunk later on, though. I think those were all his points, though. <laughs> it was his only points, unfortunately. But yeah, I know it was rough. I mean, the game we needed with without those guards, without Isabel especially, but. Without any other subs, you need everyone to pretty much play at least decently, and no one played well. 
outside of Mojica. Actually, Mojica played pretty well for the entire game. He was pretty quiet in the second half, but um, when Kirk Lee started stepping it up. But, I mean, it just was rough all around. I mean, even though we're much more talented than that team, if you're not playing too well and you have no subs at guard, it's still hard to win. Our, our zone where we have – I know they might not have killed us from three, but the zone where we have three bigs in there just isn't ideal in general. And I, I think they said that we killed them on the boards, but we didn't kill them on the boards at all. It was actually dead even on the re, on the rebounding. And they were they were winning the rebounding battle at first uh, early in the game, so we didn't have any advantage there. But the announcers were saying that our zone was confusing Loyola. <laughs> Those announcers were terrible. They were absolutely terrible. The overall every production was they, pretty good. The overall production was fine. I just thought every time the announcers made like some kind of analysis, I was like, what are they talking about? Like That's not even close to what's going on here, but otherwise it was smooth. I wonder why he did put uh, the rock on guard in because he only played like a minute. Like I'm trying to remember like who needed that, uh, who needed a break for that one. Yeah, minute. Sammy, I guess like said something to a ref and uh, I forget who it was uh, on the Slack channel commented uh, from the game that it looked like Spiker sat him as a result of that. Well, yeah. And then so besides that, he was also in the crucial point at the end of the game because Kirk had four fouls. And he ended up giving up a wide open layup. No, uh, there's not much you can do, I guess, in the situation like this. But it still seemed, with all the everything going against us, uh, you know, we, we, us shooting horribly, us missing 25 layups somehow, us shooting poorly from the free throw line, uh, that we were still going to be maybe able to scrape this one out uh, in the end. But uh, I was not impressed with some of the late game post timeout plays that they came, that we came out there you know, defensively or offensively i don't know what, i don't know if that's telling of uh, what's to come because uh if we can't execute against a, a crappy team like a loyola i don't see how we pull some late game wins against caa teams i don't know i, I wasn't impressed either with it but i mean we pull out some close games already so i'm less worried about that i mean it I can't blame Spike for this loss. You missed 25 layups. I mean, it's not really on the coaching staff at that point. Uh, it's just an off game by the players. Uh, missing these players, too, is just, like I said, it's, it's, it's been killed us. Maybe they're tired. Kirk Lee, actually, I'm amazed, like, how bad he was early on in the game. And then towards the end, when you think he would be tired, he just started turning it on. It was like the Kirk Lee that we're used to seeing from last year. I don't know what the issue is why he's playing so differently at certain times. Like early on in the game, I thought he looks too, he doesn't look quick enough. He looks too small. He looks confused out there. He's not finishing. And then the second half, he's doing everything. I mean, I don't know how he can bottle that. It's, it's a streaky player. We've, we've had plenty of them over the years that we've watched Drexel basketball players that have talent, but there's a difference between someone like a Kirkley who has moments where he looks great versus a Damian Lee who can pretty much dominate whenever he wants to at the mid-major level. And when we don't have Tremaine playing, we don't have a player who is, we don't have a player available who can get their shot pretty much whenever they want it, whether it's a three, whether it's a drive uh, for a layup. Uh, We just don't have that. We have some players who can drive and maybe make a layup. We have some players who might create a shot, uh, and might be able to sink it, but no one that I'm confident in 
to consistently be able to do that besides Trill? I think I disagree a little bit. I mean, Kirk Lee did a lot of that last year. He was a little bit more consistent last year. I mean, we haven't seen it this year. Uh, and I'm not sure what the reason is. Maybe it's a sophomore slump. Maybe it's a, I think you're, um, I think you're forgetting some of the periods, especially towards the end of the season where Kirk Lee was disappearing last year. No, I mean, I, I know what you're talking about Marshall. I mean, and, and he is, he is five six. So, I mean, there is an issue of him being able to get it off against a, a taller defender at times, but when he's not the only guy out there, um, and you have to respect somebody else. I mean, at least it's a little bit more difficult. Even Trill can't do it himself. I mean, there if they if they do turn us focus on bowing him up, I mean we've seen it in a couple of games where he even struggles. So you need more than one guy to just step it up. Right now we just don't have that. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm just saying with regards to with, with Tremaine's game, if he just decides to pull up and take a three, I'm okay with that because he seems like he can make them with the most consistency. Kirk Lee, I think usually, I, and I don't know if the stats back this up, but my my memory is, if my memory is serving me correctly, most of his threes come where he's getting a pass back. He's not really creating that shot himself. Um, and then same thing with driving to the rim. Tremaine is able to kind of get to the rim as needed. Obviously, if the other team is focused intently on bottling him up, then that's going to stifle him a bit, as it would most players. Uh, uh, and then that's when the other players... Uh, can excel because uh, the either best defenders not on them or they're open. But I just went. I just don't think we have that, and it especially hurts us with Iceland not being that catch and shoot guy either. Um, we don't really have uh, have that on the team as well. So I think all around when uh, Tremaine isn't playing, we're just going to struggle. I get, but again, when, when I guess we got to maybe there's not much more to talk about here in the Loyola game, but. When you have a game where four of your players end up playing close to the entire game, uh, I, there's not much, I guess, you can do from being able to f- fix a bad situation, be it some people not being able to finish layups. That's fair. And yeah, Kirk played 40 minutes a game. All credit to him for doing that. Um, I think he's, I forget what the number is. I think he's top 10 in the country in minutes played. He's got to be. <laughs> um so hopefully when he's back down to maybe the low 30s per game, um, that that helps the team a lot as well. What I don't understand is a player like Stretch, right? Like a player like Stretch who should have been just dominating yesterday's game uh, or the game against Loyola, I should say, because uh, – and what he in the beginning looked like he had a couple of opportunities and he was able to finish, but then he goes 4 for 14 and only has 10 points after playing 40 minutes. Uh, I don't, his inconsistency this year, and maybe that we got a little used to last year, Rodney being consistently putting up 16 points and whatever it was, 12 rebounds or something, but his inconsistency when it comes to offense is uh, definitely a little disconcerting. Although on defense, his this, some of the blocks he had yesterday were nasty. Oh yeah, two blocks in like two seconds was phenomenal. And he's another guy who played 40 minutes yesterday too. Uh, actually sunk both his free throws. Give him credit for that. Um, yeah, the layup thing is frustrating. I think that's if we see that happen more than just the Loyola game, then it's a problem. I can be okay writing it off for one game. It sucks that we lost that way. Um, but if he gets even a few more of those layups to go, then we're talking about a 16 or 18 point game instead of a 10 point game. 
I mean, his, his field goal percentage is pretty good over the course of the year. Um, so, I mean, I think this is an anomaly. And then also, I don't know if anyone else noticed this, but I thought they were kind of getting uh, fouled in there a lot, and there was barely any foul calls between him and Demir. Um, we might have been following them on the inside a little bit too, but there was just there wasn't a lot being called on the bigs inside. Um, Demir, especially on a couple of them, I thought he got hacked pretty good, and they didn't call anything. So I don't know if maybe that had something to do with it. Like they came in like expecting some contact and were missing, or I'm not sure what it was. Hopefully, it's yeah. Overall, it seemed like not too many fouls being called. I guess 15 fouls uh, for the whole game. Yeah, that's uh, for light. each of the team. So that that's not that's a light game. So with that, that was the last game we had out of CAA play. So we face off again. I think we've got a week rest over here. And then we face off against uh, Elon at Elon. And so far, the CAA looks like Townsend's the number one team. Uh, and Elon, who I thought was going to be pretty good this year, doesn't seem to be having as good a season. They're still above 500. Uh, and this, I guess the second best team right now, at least. College of Charlton, which was a little more expected, but Townsend being this good, I don't know if uh, how much that has to do with the teams they've played off against. If they're actually for real, I guess that'll be a test on CAA play starts. But I don't know if you guys had any thoughts on how we we're going to face off against the Elon team that thing last year we didn't too, do too good against. I mean, if we have our current lineup, I think we're still going to get beaten pretty, pretty good by Elon. If we have Jermaine. Uh, it might be a different story, but um, I don't know. They still they returned pretty much everybody they had last year. I don't know why they're struggling a little bit, but at this point they're more talented than us unless we get some of our guards back. They're pretty heavily reliant on the three ball, Elon. Right? Like they pass it around the outside and shoot a lot of threes. Yeah, but they don't have they... anyone. They don't have anyone who shoots it lights out. I think they've got one guy shooting over forty percent. Um. Maybe they just take high volume and are okay shooting in the 30%, but um, they don't seem to have one guy that would just kill it from three, at least not this season. I mean, we're not going to be able to play that zone. I mean, the zone defense, hopefully we don't play against them. You know, I think, and and to get out of that zone, we need to get some guys back so we can get on man defense. I mean, I'm, I'm just taking a look at there. They have some bad, bad losses here. I mean, they got, they got clubbed by Duke, which is fine, but then they, they lost to like Furman. They lost to uh, UNC Greensboro by the score of 75 to 44. They lost at Canisius by 16. So, I mean, they're not playing very well. So we should theoretically be able to beat them. But I'm just not confident us beating anybody unless we have our guards at least Tremaine back. If we get him and Harper back, then I'd say we have a pretty good shot at beating them. I'd say the two things, the biggest things, I guess, going into CAA play, uh, that I think it's different from last year is that we seem to be playing more closer to a team's level that we play against. Be it they, they're a good team or a bad team, we, we either take it up or we bring it down. Uh, and, and we seem to be able to do that pretty consistently. And the other part is our defense from last year has definitely improved. Uh, and some of that might be uh, an offshoot of us not playing as much of a running gun kind of offense that we were trying to do last year and it wasn't panning out too well. But I think taking those two things into CAA play, we should have a better outing. Uh, not that we're not all expecting or hoping for a better outing than last year, but I think it gives me a little bit of confidence going into CAA play that we should see more wins this year than next last year. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. 
Should we all say it on three? I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> on two, three. I agree. I agree with that. Is way better. All right, and that, that's very clear. I don't know. You know, you hit it on the head, Leon. I'm. You know, it's. I think Austin Williams has something to do with that. I think it's a little bit of getting used to the uh, new regime and the focus on defense, and hopefully that translates to more wins. Definitely translated to us being more competitive in the city games. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it's translated necessarily to beating up on teams we should win. That's a different conversation. But, you know, more defense, better de- That was our big problem last year. It wasn't scoring. So I'm excited to see what, what we can do in the CAA. And it's interesting that that's the case because wasn't Miles Overton one of our best defenders last year, and he hasn't even played yet this year? Like, we're we're playing this defense with essentially two guards, uh, playing the entire game, um, most most games, um, and then obviously our, uh, like you said, Austin is doing um, really well. But I think I, I maybe I'm more hopeful than I think it's the case. But when we do get some of these guys back, and apparently Troy will be back for CAA play, that might be able to help us pull away from teams that we should pull away from. Um, especially if we can still keep our defense as it's been. And we're, we're talking about getting, like, especially if we get all three of those guys back. I mean, all three of them can score a little bit at least. I mean, Tremaine obviously is dropping like 19 a game. But Harper can contribute 10 on his own. And I think even over 10 when he comes back, like he was averaging about 10 a game last year. And he didn't even play particularly well, um, especially early in the season. So, I mean, getting these guys back is going to be huge. Um, I think we talked about before, like, the chemistry would be the only worry getting everyone back and trying to fit everyone into the rotation then but um it's a better problem to have than just having mohika and kirk lee having to play an entire game yeah and also talking about chemistry i know we've we've talked about that a little bit offline a bit it's not like the current chemistry is uh you know doing so great (laughs) we're still six and seven and uh you know it's not like the new york knicks back in what was it 98 when Patrick Ewing came back, and that ended up costing them more than anything. It's uh, this is uh, we we could still use more player, m- more depth, and probably a new type of chemistry to start actually being above five hundred. What did you say our record was? Oh, sorry, five and seven. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, on the chemistry note, I saw an article on ESPN on the Rockets talking about Chris Paul and James Harden. I'll have to send it to you guys. Or maybe you saw it. But he mentions, they asked Chris Paul, like, you know, he's got to play more. He's playing a lot more minutes. And he's like, hey, what's it like to play all these extra, you know, playing all these minutes at the two? He's like, he says basically that he feels like he's playing half the minutes because he's not dribbling the ball, having to be the point guard the entire time. It's like he gets breaks. So, you know, he kind of emphasizes the positive element of being the off guard where you don't have to constantly run around. So, you know, I, I didn't really finish reading the article, but I want to take a look at it because we call, keep talking about Tremaine and Kirk and that and that relationship. Um, you know, maybe that's something to again do. We, we don't have to have as many, you know, Kirk can take some breaks. I don't know. Yeah, I can definitely see us resting and maybe going more one-on-one. Um, I guess not, not one-on-one, but playing Kirk and Tremaine individually more as the as maybe in the point guard position once we have Overton and Troy Harper back but 
it is also fun to see them both in there sometimes because both of them have the ability to score uh, to a certain extent. But uh, if, if 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 we can put a, uh, I think the Bill, you might have been telling me this, but Chris Paul seems to have a completely different set of players that he runs. He seems to play with, and they seem to be almost be doing better at times than the, the I guess the squad that Harden runs with. I don't know if that was in your article or not, Nick, but they were talking about how like effective the second unit is with Chris Paul running it without Harden in there. I mean, he's actually running the point. Maybe it's because he has some conserved energy. Right? That could be part of it. I mean, it would be interesting to see if we could like get um, Kirkley and Isabel like play them each like 30 minutes, um, maybe with like that 10 minutes not overlapping with each other, where they could just or five minutes each where they're not overlapping, at least where they can, uh, you know, run the point how they want and just run it like that. But obviously, we can't do that until we get the other guys back. Yeah, what I guess what concerns me is I think Troy Harper Jr. We know he's going to come back. Uh, for CAA play, it sounds like at least based on his deleted uh, tweet. Uh, but what's uh, Miles Overton? I guess we haven't. I haven't seen too much about what the latest on him is. Sam Green, I think uh, somebody said his knee brace is off finally, and he seems to be walking with his own volition. But again, we don't know when he's going to be back. So uh, it seems to be pretty mum from the Drexel coaching staff on when the return can be expected for some of these players. Yeah, it'd be nice to have a little more transparency there. Um, I get that it's, it's college players and, uh, and all that, but it just, if there's, if there's news to be shared and the players based on the fact that they're tweeting about it, don't seem to mind that information's out there. Granted that tweets are getting deleted later. I don't know if that's the team telling them to, or them thinking, a little uh, more after they hit send. Oh, maybe I don't want to put that out there, but if they're okay with it being out there. I, I wish that we would just know it would be nice to anticipate when, when some of these guys will be back. And if we go into a game, I get a last minute scratch, but if we go into a game well in advance knowing, Oh, uh, uh, Trill's not going to play, then, then I feel like we should know that. Now, looking at the current standings, at least, going into CAA play, do you guys think we're going to be above? We're about three third from the bottom over here, by the way, in case you guys are not looking at the standings. Uh, do you think at the end of the CAA play we're, we're above that or we're going to probably ride that all the way, you think? I mean, I, I personally hope we'll be above that. <laughs> but it's so dependent on getting guys back. I almost it's hard to make a prediction like I, if this is all we have and we're going to be struggling to get players for the whole for the whole year we're not going to win a ton of games it's just it, it's going to be difficult I mean the CA play just gets more more difficult in general because teams know you better they know your style of play there's more uh, knowledge there than if you're just playing a random team so it, it gets more difficult in general so if we don't have those guys back we are not going to win a ton of games if Tremaine comes back next game and plays for the rest of the season, just that alone will get us some. If Troy Harper comes back, I think we can. Uh, I think we can be up in at least the top half of the league with those guys healthy. I'm hoping for 500. I think that is optimistic, given some of the success we've had, but some of the not success we've had against not very great teams. Even with Isabel playing, and I know it's he hasn't been 100, percent but you know, we've had some nice wins. We've had some bad losses. Uh, I think that translates into the CAA. I think we'll have some good nights. We're going to have some bad nights. 
I think, um, you know, 500 would be good. It would be progression from last year. I'd like to get out of the playing game. That should be a good goal. I think that's a realistic, achievable goal. Let's get out of that fucking playing game and at least make some progress. Anything more than that, I'd be very happy. Yeah, I, I don't think that this team loses 10 out of its last 11 like we did last season. Uh, I just I would be shocked if that happened. Um, so I think we'll be better than the what was it three win conference play team that we were last year. Um, honestly, I think if we, assuming we get, let's say, uh, Troy Harper back for the start of play, uh, Tremaine plays all but two games in conference play, and we get Overton back at some point. I would say we probably end up right around 500 uh, plus or minus one game, um, maybe minus two games. Um, so I guess that translates to what, like five or six wins in play or seven wins, um, which I would take as progress. It wouldn't be great, but it would be progress. And then I guess it just depends how bad the bottom of the league is if we're outside of that play-in game. The CAA is not that good this year. I mean, there's no UNC Wilmington. No, Townsend's playing them pretty good. Elon seems to be off. But we should be able to do better in the CAA in a little bit of a down year. No, I, I think uh, I think we have a better shot this year for sure in with an NCAA play to make a little more of a little more of a mark. And going back to us playing at the level of the teams we match up against, I think that's going to help a lot. I just wish. And one thing I, I wish I got to see more of this year, especially against some opponents that we should have beat pretty handedly, like Lafayette and Quinnipiac, but both games that came down to the last shot and we were only able to win by like one point. Uh, I just wish we knew how to pull away from a team. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much of, and we, we haven't, other than the Ryder game, I guess we haven't really done that in any game. LaSalle, we will just hold on to a big lead we took on early on. And uh, there was a couple of wins we like against uh, the Houston game, for example, that we were able was able to just hang around and then come back, come from behind and get the victory. But I just I, I'd like to see at least a couple of games during CAA play against uh, maybe the two teams that are below us right now. Maybe the UNC Wilmington, which just looks completely uh, like they have no no talent on the team this year. Uh, maybe we can just pull away from some of these teams and. Uh, get bigger leads so we're not coming down to the final minutes of the game. You know, it, it's funny. We talk about Elon not being as good as expected and then UNC Wilmington, uh, what you just said, Leon. <laughs> it, granted, it's basketball power index from ESPN, so take it with a grain of salt. But they predict uh, Elon with a 77% chance of winning our matchup against them in the first game. And then our second game against UNCW, they give them the 60% uh, odds to win those two games, which I think those are a little insane. I would put Elon pretty much close to even, and I'd probably favor us slightly against uh, UNCW. Um, Elon, I'm just looking at like what each team has done for the year. We basically are playing identical. We're within like two points uh, of each other in points per game, two points within each other of points allowed. We're shooting nearly identical field goal percentages. Um, I don't know what they're shooting from three. Rebounds, 
literally are exactly the same at 39 uh, per game. Uh, so I think that will be a fairly even matchup, uh, probably another one that comes right down to the wire. And uh, I don't know if we're doing predictions right now, but based on the fact that it's, it's on the road and uh, and our record in these close games against not great teams, uh, I would guess we lose that one. Well, I don't know why they have Wilmington favored over us. I mean, they lost pretty much everyone from last year outside of Kaycock. So, I mean, they, I expect them to be much worse than they were last year. This is probably about production-wise and what they returned. They really had only more than JMU, I think. So, I mean, it, and with a new coach, uh, we should be able to take them. Are they still playing in, up, uh, in up-tempo offense? Because it looks like they're scoring uh, like 80 points a game, but giving up 90 points a game, which leads me to think they're trying to still run that offense and they're just not doing it effectively uh, on the offensive standpoint. If that is the case, then that could potentially wear us down, even if we get Troy Harper back. I'm sure he won't immediately be jumping in and playing 20 plus minutes a game. So um, given all the minutes that Kirk has played already, granted we'll have some rest before Elon and then, um, and then the UNCW game. But if they're just trying to run on us, that could wear us down a little bit since we don't play too many guys. True. I mean, I watched one of their games. They just they just don't have the same caliber guards they had in the past. I mean, they're they are running the ball. I mean, Kaycox averaging, uh, I think, close to twenty a game, eighteen point five a game. Um, but the rest of the squad isn't doing too much. They're, they're all new players, so I mean, whether you they could be running like we did last year, we were running all up and down the court, and we're still you know, you're giving up a ton of points, like you said. It's not really going to matter. But we need guards, <laughs> so. It's, mm-hmm. it's the same thing that we've been talking about the whole time. If we don't get our guards back, it is difficult. And if they say the only thing like standing wise or like record wise, that's surprising to me is, is William and Mary. Uh, I mean, those guys lost a ton of production from last year. I know they're always well coached, but uh, they're winning a lot of games. I, I thought they would be a little bit more down since they lost so much, but they're up top. So that's going to be difficult to even beat them. I think they're, you know, always probably hitting their threes and, usual William and Mary team and we usually struggle with them or we I shouldn't say usually but we've been struggling with them the last few years so um, that'll be a tough one as well they are very high scoring they have three games plus a non-d1 game where they've scored over 100 points like well over 100 they they dropped 126 on uh, d2 Milligan team didn't they drop 100 last year they dropped a hundred on us last year, I think. Right? I mean, I, their coach, I don't their remember. coach is really good. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was a team that did. Their 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 coach is, and no matter who they have, he always they always come to play. Um, you know, I'm surprised they haven't been in the tournament yet. They came close. They'll be tough, no matter who they have. Um, for for Towson being number one in the conference, I was looking at them a little bit. The Zane Martin guy, I don't remember him too much from last year. I didn't see too many uh, too many games out of uh, that Drexel wasn't playing in. But he's uh, he seems like he's a Franz Massenet type body, dropping 18 points a game. But he's from Philly, uh, sophomore. I'm wondering if we even ever had a shot at him. But just with our coaching change, if that kind of took us out of it. I don't know too much about the kid. And I, I don't remember much for last year either. 
Marshall, I think is, do you know what he scored last year? Like, I know he's up to 18 points per game this year, but I'm not sure. What um, he, uh... Last year, he was really, uh, not, uh, he was playing, but he was getting like 14 minutes a game and five and a half points per game. So he's really stepped it up this year. Yeah, that's a, that's a crazy jump. Was he even on the all-rookie team? I mean, he's a sophomore. That's, that's really a huge jump. I don't think he was on the all-rookie team. I don't think he was either. Yeah, that's a pleasant surprise for Townsend. But that's what, uh, I, what I mean with, um, with similar to France, not just in body type, but I think France also had a similar uh, jump from, uh, from his freshman year to his sophomore year in points per game. So, I mean, yeah, good for him. Sucks that a Philly guy went to a non-Philly school, notably us. <laughs> well, we took Kirk Lee out of Baltimore, so, I mean. Oh, right. That's that's totally even. <laughs> no offense to Kirk Lee, but I'd rather have a 6'4 point guard who's dropping 18 a game. I mean, if you look at him last year, Marshall, you would have said the exact opposite. So, I mean, <laughs> we'll see how it goes for the rest of the careers, too. I mean, Kirk no, last year... Last year, I was saying I would rather have a six-four point guard. Any six-four point guard guy? You just think any tall guy to run point over Kirk Lee? How about Ryan Daly? How tall is Ryan Daly? Can I get you some Ryan Daly? Fuck Ryan Daly. I like I like these fighting words between Marshall and Bill. Maybe this will be the new rivalry this year. <laughs> I don't know. Is Bill going to be on enough podcasts this year for it to be a rivalry? Oh, <laughs> oh man! Firing shots. Uh, I think if you look at the record of who's been on the most podcasts, I'm probably coming in second, only behind Leon. I don't know. You'd have to listen to the podcast in order to evaluate that. Oh, I will not. I only listen to podcasts. Bill's only listened to two podcasts, which were the two that he was not on this year. That is factual. So what happens? What What do you do when you hear your own voice? Does it like you get this? the chills and you cringe and like your, your dick gets limp. Like what happens? Okay. <laughs> I, I just don't like it. I just don't like it. I'm like the opposite. You, I, get, like, I get hard when I hear my own voice. <laughs> yeah, this is taking a weird turn. Leon. We got to shut this down. Before this descends into complete like lunacy over here. Uh, I did want to mention uh, on January 13th, uh, Draxel faces off against Hofstra at the DAC, and a couple of weeks ago, uh, Rob and I had met with the DAC Pack uh, administration currently, and they told us that they were aiming on having an event prior to that game because it was the first home game, I guess, after the break. And uh, it would be against, of course, an old CA rival, Hostra. Um, so and they, we were trying to get as many people to the DAC as possible. So Rob and I chatted on expanding this to maybe some alums as well, but he definitely got the ball moving on it. And he's uh, got the blue and gold room booked for us before the game and also got us a deal where if you enter blue and gold one word, when you're buying the tickets at DrexelTickets.com, you'll get 10% off. So that's uh, blue and gold, all ca- all one word and in caps. And uh, we're in section nine. Rob is in section eight. So if, you, uh, if you're not trying to be partial here, but we'd love to see you there for the game. So trying to get as many people to come to that game and maybe pack the deck like the OG days. 